it is never pleasant to see a marriage fail. And while there could be something expected that in the early years of marriage, a couple would go through rough times and potentially separate. If a couple chooses to divorce after 30 years or 40 years, I think that's the point where everyone scratches their heads and says, what was going on? Now, in the same way, in the Christian journey, we'd sort of expect that in the early years after conversion, it's quite easy for a person to drop away from their faith. You know, we know that for adults who are baptized, the, the drop-off rate is sadly very high. And yet, when you see someone who has been on the journey for 20 years, 30 years or 40 years, actively involved in their faith, praying every day, involved in missionary work, and then suddenly they turn around and say that they no longer believe in God. That's a serious question. How does that happen? And why does that happen? If you imagine that the human heart is a little bit like a kingdom, which for many years has lived as an autonomous region doing its own thing, but one day, whether willingly or unwillingly, it is taken over by another king. Now that king goes and plants himself in the capital city, takes over the parliament, and most of the, of the country submits and says, yes, we, we welcome you. We want you to be the king over our life. But we know as this story is played out through history that there is always one particular place which holds out in rebellion, that place which refuses to submit. And for many years, that, country, that region or that province may end up fighting this guerrilla war, or it may simply just refuse to submit, waiting for that moment when the kingdom is able to be retaken over again. Now, we've seen this down through history. We've seen this in our recent history. As with the, the withdrawal of the US forces from Afghanistan, we saw a situation where all the power and might of the US army had tried to take over that country. And yet for 20 years, there was a rebellion. And sometimes that rebellion was fought very, very fiercely. Other times it just sat and waited waited for the opportunity when they would be able to reclaim what they believed was right, rightfully theirs. Now, if you think about this in terms of the human heart, there are places inside your heart which have welcomed Christ. You have said that Jesus is the Lord of your life. You have welcomed him to take over and be the king over you. But there are other parts of your heart which are still in rebellion. Sometimes that rebellion is active and quite fiercely fought. Other times it's like a cold war where there is simply, simply just a clear line saying, you know, beyond this point, we do our own thing. The gospel will influence every other decision or every other part of my life, but not this part. This part is independent and does its own thing. If the Christian journey is about finishing well, then we need to focus on that part of our heart 
which refuses to submit. Because, as with those examples I used at the, at the beginning, the reason why you see people's faith collapse or people's marriages collapse, I would suggest is quite possibly because there is that one unredeemed or unconquered part of their heart. Now that might come out in a relationship through selfishness. It may come out through pride. It, it may come out through the fact that your spouse has been putting up with you for a long, long time because there's a part of you which you refuse to allow to be taken over in, in love or in conversion. But there comes a point where gradually you can't hold that back anymore. And whatever that thing is, whatever that, that vice or that, that character flaw, it may finally take ground and you no longer have the strength to hold it back and suddenly everything falls apart. In the same way with faith, a person can be so passionate about the vision. They can become a great missionary, a great preacher, but there is one little part. Now that may be an area of sin, but it may also just be a character flaw. Perhaps it's an area where you're just easily discouraged, you know, where you can find yourself having some sort of level of contempt for those around you who you just think are stupid or aren't making the right decisions. Maybe it's something where the enemy just has a way in to be able to influence your thinking, create a negativity, pull you down, change that, that vision into disillusionment. And before you know it, you can suddenly get hit with something which makes you question everything. Now, I say this from the position where I've, I've had many friends who started the journey with me who now seriously question whether they believe in God. I think for every person, that journey is something very deep and very hidden. And it's not something we can judge. You know, We, we cannot ever stand in condemnation of those whose marriages fail or their, or their vocation, you know, particularly if their faith fails. Because no one of us understands what it is that it can hit a person. But when Jesus talks about that parable of the person who builds their life on rock or the person who builds their life on sand, what he's trying to say is that either way you're going to get hit by a flood. There is going to be something which breaks upon your life and tests the foundation. And if there is something in that foundation which is still not submitted to Christ. The building runs the risk of falling. So how do we identify this? How do we come to discover what that place is? There's a particularly interesting line in the Psalms. And, and, and the reason I say it's particularly interesting is because there are two Psalms which say this almost word for word both in Psalm 60 and Psalm 108. It's almost the same psalm repeated. And the, and the image of this psalm is something of the conquering king, the king who has taken over all the enemies and smashed everybody. But there seems to be one enemy who is still defiant. And so as it says 
you know, God has, this is in Psalm 60, verse 6. God has promised in his sanctuary, with exultation I will divide up Shechem and portion out the valley of Sukkoth. Gilead is mine and Manasseh is mine. Ephraim is my helmet. Judah is my scepter. Moab is my washbowl. On Edom I hurl my shoe. Over the Philistines I shout in triumph. But who will bring me to the fortress city? Who will lead me to Edom? You know, that, that, that cry at the end, who will bring me face to face with Edom? Who will bring me to the fortress? Now, I, I don't profess to know the whole history and background of this psalm, but for me, this speaks of the God who has conquered 90% of the land or perhaps 90% of your heart. But this cry is, who will bring me to conquer the fortress? Who will bring me face to face with Edom? That place in you where you are most likely to get taken out by the enemy. This is where we need to pray. We need to pray for the Spirit to give us self-knowledge. Because as I say, this might be an area of sin. It might just be a character flaw. It might just be an area where psychologically you're vulnerable and the enemy can just hit you and within a moment all your thinking has turned negative. There's a similar image used by one of the early theologians of the church, a guy by the name of Origen, where he spoke about the book of Joshua. Now the book of Joshua is bloody and brutal. It's probably the nicest way to explain it because it's the story of the conquest of the land of Israel where God commands the people saying, go and kill everybody. Do not allow any foreign tribe to remain in this land. Now, Origen looked at this story and he saw the spiritual interpretation that this was about the journey of conversion of the heart. And he basically said that just as the Israelites had left Egypt, they had journeyed through the desert and they'd passed through the River Jordan, he said the same thing, that as we have been baptized in Christ, we've gone through that conversion process. We then enter the land, but that part of entering the land is where the battle begins. And we have to get rid of everything to not make friends with any sin, to not allow any area of corruption in our hearts to be allowed to remain. Because as innocent as these things may seem, they will grow and they will wait for their opportunity, and then they will fight back. And it might well be at that moment in life when you are hit by a flood and you just haven't got the energy, and in that moment of weakness, that little sin that you allowed to remain will come back and fight you with a force too strong to fight against. And so there is something throughout the Scriptures, this idea that we cannot make friends with sin. We cannot allow any character flaw or anything to remain, but we have to pray fervently for the Holy Spirit to show us what these things are and then pray that Christ would come in as the conqueror. Give him permission to win over that part of your heart. Give him permission to bring the healing or the conversion that's necessary. We need to finish well both in our relationships 
with, with each other, but also in our relationship with God. So who will bring me face to face with Edom? Who will bring me to conquer the fortress? Lord, we pray that you would pour out your spirit on us to give us courage to never stop fighting until every part of our heart has been conquered for Christ.